0: To grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. To be more like him. Have the compassion that he had. In Jesus' name, amen. God's word. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then book of Romans. And... Uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, probably my most favorite, as somebody said, my most favorite book uh, uh, chapter in all of, of the Bible, and uh, if Romans is the greatest book in the Bible, which I, I, I would have to say it is, and of course all books are inspired by God and God uses His Word in different ways and all, but humanly speaking... <laughs> Romans is probably the greatest epistle that Paul ever wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And certainly Romans 8 would have to be the greatest chapter in the greatest book. And, uh, but uh, that is uh, from my viewpoint and mine only. <laughs> and if your book is another book, if you're, it might be Esther. I don't know. But for me, this is just from my viewpoint. But anyway, in chapter 7, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 4 of chapter 8 in just a little bit. I'm not sure how far I'll get this morning, but uh, there's so much here in this chapter. You could really just preach on the first verse and uh, expound it for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I'm not just saying that as well, because uh, there have been books written on each chapter of the Epistle to the Romans, and uh, very lengthy commentaries have been written uh, almost on single verses, and so bear with me as we go through this. We'll probably have more sermons from the book of Romans than... than. Uh, 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 chapter 8 than, than the rest of Romans, but just a quick review, I say quick, because we don't want to just uh, say, oh boy, chapter chapter 7 of Romans is gone, and <laughs> we're now in, uh, in, in chapter 8, because chapter 7 is not gone, uh, just as the other six chapters before it are not gone as well, but uh, we saw in Chapter 7 The place, the purpose, and the powerlessness of the law. We saw that the Christian was made uh, to die to the law, that he might be married to Christ and bring forth fruit. We saw that the purpose of the law was to show us that the law could not save us, but the law, even though good and spiritual, only stirred up sin that we might come, like Paul, to the end of our self-righteousness and the end of ourselves. And I pray that that would be the case every day, that we would become more and more, that we would come more and more to the end of ourselves and look to Christ, that, that uh, our self-righteousness would uh, begin to uh, disappear in our lives in the sense that we focus on the righteousness of Christ. We also saw the powerlessness uh, of the law, not only to save a person by keeping it, but to be kept saved by keeping it, and uh, uh, it's just impossible to keep the law to be saved, and that's uh, a topic I know I've probably worn out, but I will probably continue to wear it out because it's so important, and I, I refer to 1 Peter 1, 1.5, it says, who are protected and that's us, by the power of ourselves. Nope, there's no power in us except Christ in us, the hope of glory. The power of God, and it comes how? Through faith, for salvation. And uh, let us always uh, remember that. Uh, we cannot live the Christian life by law keeping. And I consider that, for the most part, doing things in our own strength. We will fail every time. We will fail every time. There is a a struggle, a conflict, every Christian is involved with. And we saw that last week. There is this struggle of the old nature, where sin lives still in us, and the new nature, which is Christ in us, or His Spirit in us. And there's this war going on. And, of course, that's where Paul cries out, Oh, wretched man that I am, when he sees that conflict and he, and he uh, aims to do something and then he fails and what have you. And we all, we all have that struggle. And uh, the only way this conflict is won is by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith, through faith, through faith, believing, It doesn't come by working at it. And uh, that's the hard lesson to learn. It's through faith. It's not the power. Faith is not the power, but as I said last week, it's a light switch. Uh, It is the instrument by which the power is released and flows. The power of the Spirit uh, is the power that we need in our life. And it Uh, is released by faith by faith so the greater the faith the greater the power in our lives and so we need the power of the holy spirit and you can't work it up you can't work for it you can't uh, be good to get it and remember the lie is faith is some kind of a spiritual energy that you get when you obey See, that's a lie it's not a spiritual energy that you get when you obey but it's, a, it's the free gift of God that comes by the quickening of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. Faith is a gift. Like all the other fruit of the Spirit, it is a gift. You can't work it up. You didn't have to come up with it before you, uh, uh, on your own, uh, or what have you. No, it was given to you. The truth is, faith is simply a sinner looking to Christ, it that's what faith is simply looking to Christ and this looking that is fixing our eyes on Jesus that we saw is uh, uh, the switch or the instrument for change see that's where the change comes from and you have experienced that in your own life I know when when I became a Christian, when I was born again and I, and I walked down the hall, my mother led me to Christ and it was like in Pilgrim's Progress, the burden fell off my back and I was free. And it was like I was walking 10 feet off the floor and I knew something had happened to me. And all of a sudden there was a change in my life I didn't curse like I used to. Now, it doesn't mean that when I was hitting, hitting my thumb with a hammer, because, because, you know, because I cursed so long that a curse word won't come out. But as far as these things changing in my life, it wasn't like, okay, now I've just got to quit cursing. Even though I want to curse, I, no. I was changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there were some things that just were gone. Not everything, though. Not everything because there's still things that I still struggle with, as Paul talks about here, and lust and and such things as that, that we struggle with. But no, uh, it comes through uh, the Spirit of God, and it comes by faith. The problem, I think, is people try to change the wrong way. People are trying to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And, of course, you know if you reach down and try to pull yourself off the floor... When, when you're pulling up, there's another force pulling down, and you can't do it. I don't care how strong you are, it can't be done. But that's what a lot of Christians try to do, and uh, that's, that's a shame that they do that. Remember what we, uh, what we looked about, uh, talked about in uh, Galatians 3. He says, and I'm going to read this again because I want everybody just to really have this cemented in their minds. I want you to just say, I'm tired of hearing this. You just tell us this all the time because uh, repetition aids learning. And I want you to really see what Paul is trying to tell these people. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law? In other words, by your being good, by your doing, by your obeying? Or by the hearing with faith? And the answer is by hearing with faith. Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? He tells you right here. No, you began by the Spirit, not by the works of the law. Are you now beginning to be perfected by the flesh in your own strength? In other words, you were saved by the Spirit. He changed He's beginning to change you, beginning to sanctify you, and now you think you've got to take over, is what he's saying. You can't be perfected by the flesh. It's impossible. It's like pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. Why? Because you're going to try harder, and you're going to fail. You're going to try harder, and you're going to fail. And you're going to try harder, and you're going to fail, and then after a while, you're going to say, I'm not trying anymore. I'm tired of this struggle. I'm just quitting. And that's what Paul's talking about here. You began by the Spirit. You began with faith. The Christian life continues the same way it began, through the power of the Holy Spirit in believing. But, boy, we want to make it hard. We want to, we want to have people jump through all these hoops. You know, we line up all these traditions of men that they've got to go through. And we think by doing that, it's going to change us. No, 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 no. It just doesn't. And we know that. I I mean, I've I've fought that battle, and I still do. But it's not because we pray more. I talked about that. It's not because we study more, and on and on and on. And then it comes down to then why do we obey? For instance, we're here this morning. The Bible says the commandment is forsake not the assembling of yourselves together right is that not a command i mean it's pretty clear to me okay wh- why are we here this morning are we here because coming is going to make us better there, there's no heart in that is there that's just that's just being a pharisee that's being that's coming so you can be seen a man so that they can say whoa he's spiritual he goes to church or whatever, it's all external but what, what God is interested in is our hearts He wants our heart and He is anxious to change us, but He isn't going to do it our way see that's what the problem, is we say no God, I'm not going to do it your way you're going to do it my way and so we just he ain't gonna. the Holy Spirit will not will not run where we say run He's going to only do it the way He has said He's going to do it. See, that's the struggle. We want Him to do it our way. And it doesn't work. He's going to bless me if. He's going to, you know, no, no, no. No, we obey Him because we love Him. We love Him. That's why we obey. We love Him because of the gospel of Christ the change that has taken place in us by believing. Uh, Why do we pray? Why do we pray? Is that a work? You know? If, you know, we just we just keep pounding away and no, we pray because we believe, believe, faith, that God is a supernatural God and He is going to do things. That's why you pray. Why do you pray for a lost son or a lost friend? Because God uses prayer. Now, I don't understand that, but that's what he says. And so, that's why we pray. Because we're looking, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, and we're saying, I am helpless. God, I can't do this. And he tells us, the rich young ruler, remember, he says, it's impossible to take a camel and shove it through the eye of a needle. Now, that's pretty impossible. I don't mean. Right? Don't, don't, do we all agree that it's impossible to take a camel and shove it through the eye of a needle? Yeah. And then what did the disciples say to Jesus? Who can be saved then? Salvation. He says, Who can be saved then? And Jesus said, Well, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit that can change him. That's what he was talking about. The rich young ruler needed the Spirit of God to empower him to believe and follow Jesus. And we do too. And it continues after. We don't, you know, know, it's kind of like, move over God, I'm taking the reins now. But that's the way we live the Christian life sometimes. I struggle with it. And I, I, I'm sure you probably do too. No. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. Boy, that's so full you could. And what is the surpassing greatness of whose power? His power towards us who, who what? See, it's not working. See It's believing. And, I, and I, again, I'm preaching last, last week's sermon again, but it's just that important. Who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of, not my might, you know, my pulling myself up by those bootstraps, I'm going to get it done this time, and we fail. No, it's by His might. And we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks, the sanctification and how, what does that look like. And so, don't let this, don't let this, I got to thinking going home last night, I said, you know, and I said to Janine, you know, we let the struggle destroy us. I do. I let that struggle that I'm going through with sin sometimes just defeat me. You know, it's just kind of like, whoa. But don't let the struggle destroy us. Why? Why is that? That's what Paul takes up now in Romans chapter 8. Therefore, now, right now, there is no condemnation, he says, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's read Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life, see, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. You haven't been set free by all your goodness and by all your good working. and No, that doesn't have any power in it all to set you free. You've been set free because of what Christ has done, he says. He set you free from the law of sin and death. We'll look at that. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he con- condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us or the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Whoa. There's a lot there. And I don't know if I'm going to even uh, get through it uh, this morning. But we need to see there is now no condemnation. Now, right now, there's none. So, in light of what has been said in chapter 7, chapter 8 is going to give us reasons why our salvation is guaranteed and certain and final. Did you hear that? He's going to give us reasons now why our salvation is guaranteed certain and final. And a lot of times you may, you may not feel saved, uh, and, and that's sometimes I feel that way, but we see that What is set forth in chapter 8 is the perseverance of the saints to the end. The saint, the real believer, will persevere through everything. That's the promise that God gives us. Notice, it starts with uh, uh, no condemnation in verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. What does it say in the last verse of 39? It starts with no condemnation and it ends with, There is nothing that is able to separate you. See? He goes from no condemnation to nothing can separate you. And everything that's going to be in between. And it's good stuff. (laughs) It is great stuff. So our salvation is certain. And our salvation is certain because of certain reasons. And believe you me, it's not you. It's not certain because of what you do. And how you act and how you perform, that's not what makes it certain. If it is, I'm in trouble. Big, big time trouble. Because I fail God every day in thought, word, and deed. And you know you do too. When you get bitter or angry over something or something upsets you and you go, oh my gosh, there I go again. You say, no. No. It's by what Christ has done. It's certain because of certain reasons. Certain because of certain reasons. We believe the gospel has set us free from condemnation, that all our sins are forgiven. We're going to see in this chapter that we've been freed from the law in verse 2. We can also see it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, We are free because of the adoption as heirs, verse 17. And then we see uh, because of what, uh, that God is in charge, that it is, he's in control. And uh, even before the foundation of the world, that's Romans 28, uh, verse 28 and so forth. So we've got a whole lot to go through, but our salvation is certain. It is certain. And, uh, And it is not certain based on if, if I perform. Now, there will, be, there will be, as we have already seen, and Paul talks about the Spirit of God and there's a change, but our salvation is not based on that performance of whether I live up, live up to it because we're guilty of all, as was read this morning from Galatians 5, if we offend in one point, you see. So it's not a matter of making 75% on the test or 95 or you've got to make 100% all the time. And only Jesus did that. And we have his record. First reason our salvation is sure and certain is what? It's right here. We have been set free. We have been set free or delivered from the law. And he says, there is absolutely none. Right now, there is no condemnation. Right now, he says. It doesn't mean that uh, there is nothing about you that uh, doesn't deserve condemnation. Can we all say amen to that? I mean, that's <laughs> there's a lot that I've done that deserves con- condemnation. It doesn't mean that Satan and other people aren't going to accuse me and condemn me for things that I've done. Uh, It doesn't mean that there uh, aren't afflictions and difficulties and even chastenings that come in my life, you see. But now, in Christ, is what Paul is saying again. In Christ, our sins have been dealt with. They've been dealt with on the cross. When Jesus was hanging there, he says, It is finished, except for Sid Phillips being a good guy. She knows me. (laughs) But that's true though. It's it's not it's not me. It's what Christ did on the cross. It's finished. The work is finished. Does that thrill you? It thrills me because I know my own sinful heart. And this is what Paul is saying now. He said, Boy, looking back, whoa, I'm a bad guy. I was woo, all the things I did, I'm still bad, I'm struggling, I'm fighting. But there's no condemnation, and you live out of that. You live your life out of that, and you can go around rejoicing because there's no condemnation. No condemn. Did you hear what I said? No condemnation. Except no. There's no except or but or uh, or ifs or anything. Whoa. All of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. See. It's, it's not they're forgiven if. It's not your sins are forgiven. Your future sins are forgiven if you do this. and If you don't do that. And then it says, boy, then I can go out and do anything I want to. Paul's already dealt with that. You see what I'm saying? That's why he said what he said. Because this is such a wonderful thing. That people are going to take it the wrong way. That's why he said it. Oh, not based on feelings it's based on fact god said it and that settles it i don't understand it but i accept it right (laughs) i'll take it it's a good deal We americans want to do something though and christians shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel condemned because you're not condemned All condemnation is now gone because we're in Christ. He, God, made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. He took our place. In other words, I exchange records with Jesus. He takes my bad record and I take his perfect record so that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. Whoa. Just You know, just this whole idea of no condemnation. You know, we could just go home right now. I mean, just just go back. I'm not condemned. I'm not condemned. Even though I'm a wretched person, I'm not condemned because I'm forgiven in Jesus. Does that thrill your heart? If it doesn't, something's wrong. You better check up because, yeah, it does thrill our hearts. It does thrill us. Conviction of sin, now that's a different thing. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the forgiveness of sin. The definition of a Christian is simply a person who is in Christ Jesus. And he is is our head. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and so forth. Christ is our head. We have our life vitally in Him. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. We're going to talk about that. For apart me, for me you can do nothing. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Him. Now, let's look in a few minutes left here. The first reason, I've just now gotten to the text. <laughs> That's the introduction now. <laughs> but uh, it needed to be said. Let us see the first reason for this statement in verses 2 through 4. How can we be sure there is now no condemnation? The first reason, we'll take a reason probably every week. We have been delivered from the law. Now this is not something new that he's bringing up. This is kind of like, okay, Paul, you've already told us this, and he's telling us again. He says in verse 2, what does he say? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. And Jesus said, if I make you free, you're going to be free indeed. No strings attached. What is really interesting, set free is in the aorist tense. In the Greek, this is uh, significant uh, uh, to know because it means at one point in time, it happened. At one point in time, it happened. He has made you free by what he did. That happened at one time. When Jesus says on the cross, it is finished, he set you free. At that very moment, you were, even though you had never been born yet, you were set free. It's once and forever is what it means. And notice, he says you. Paul is not talking about just himself here. He has set you free. He didn't say, and he has set me free, although that's true. But he includes all believers here, all Christian believers, you. He's saying to these Roman Christians, you have been set free. And believe me, brothers and sisters, when we stand before God one day at that judgment uh, seat and and, 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 and as we see God's uh, judgment on on sin and so forth, you're going to be awfully happy that you've been set free, that you've been delivered from sin. And it's going to be at that time we're going to all realize what grace is really all about. Because right. it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And we need to be telling people that. You may think this is nonsense. You may think that uh, uh, you don't need this. But I'm telling you, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Because he means business. Right. He means business. And he means everything he says in his Word. And uh, so it's, it's for us here. It's for us. Now what is this law of sin and death? He says that we have been set free from. He says I've set you free from the law of sin and death. And I think he's talking about here the law of God. It's the law that exposes and reveals sin and points out sin. It's the law of sin and death. The law declares death on all that sin. So he is saying here uh, uh, that this is uh, what the law, it's the law that only brings sin and death. If you trust in the law, it's going to only bring you sin and death. Now, I don't think this is the old nature. There are some people that would interpret this as we've been set free, and he's talking about the old nature. when He says you've been set free from the, the law of sin and death. Have you been set free from your sinful nature i haven't so i think he's really talking here when jesus died on the cross there's now no condemnation see that's what he's talking about there's no condemnation anymore we've been set free from the condemnation that's in the law because of what jesus did it's so clear so it's the law of god and what have we been set free from We've been set free from the law of God that the unsaved person tries to keep to save himself. I still struggle with that. I really do. I mean, you might think, how can you? I mean, it tells us, but I still struggle with that. I keep saying, boy, I was a good guy today. I did so much today. And no, we've been set free. We've been set free by what Christ has done. And, and believing this, I really believe believing this will change your life. I know it does because you were saved that way. So you were saved that. When you continue to live the Christian life the same way, you're set free and you're married now to Christ. He is your husband, and you bring forth fruit unto God. You have the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace and so forth. And he says, what is this this law of the spirit of life he talks about here in Christ Jesus? The law of the spirit of life in Christ? I think he's talking about the grace of God being under this reign of grace now. The Holy Spirit that works in the believer. James calls it the law of liberty. And, of course, liberty means to be set free. You must see that you have been delivered from the law. You've got to see you've been delivered from the law... That there is now no condemnation. You're no longer under it. Because it's the law that condemns if you're not in Christ Jesus by faith. The law condemns if you're not in Christ Jesus by faith. You're condemned. If you have not trusted Christ, if you're not fixing your eyes on Him, if you're not uh, his child by faith and you're not uh, uh, born again then you are condemned. That's what the, the, uh, Paul is telling us here. And he goes on he says that uh, uh, for what the law could not do he says why couldn't the law do it? Because it was weak through the flesh he says. The law uh has to work through sinful human nature. And s- sinful human nature could not keep the law. That's what he's saying here. He says, for what the law could not do, weak because why? It was through the flesh, the sinful flesh. So since that can't happen because of our sinful nature, our fallenness, God did, he said, by sending his own son in the likeness, a sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. You see, God condemned sin in human flesh by Christ living the per- perfect life as a human being for us because we couldn't do it because of our fallenness. He did in His uh, uh, perfect, perfect life. In the likeness of human flesh, Christ had a body, and it says, and he himself bore our sins in his body, his human body on the cross, so that we would die to sin and live to what? Righteousness. There's a purpose behind what he did. For by his wounds you were healed. You're healed. Whoa. Think about that. You're healed. Sometimes I don't feel healed. <laughs> He's talking about spiritual, course. We're healed. Uh, it was weak. The law was weak through the sinful flesh. How has it been done then? By his sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's how it's been done. He was tempted and knew no sin. It says, Hebrews four fifteen. For we do not have a high priest, who cannot sympathize with our own weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He lived that perfect and sinless life for us. How did he come in that form? Or, Or Why did he come in that form of human flesh? To condemn sin, to condemn sin. Where did he have to condemn it? In the flesh, in human nature. And that's why he came. In the, in the likeness of human flesh because it had to be condemned in the flesh he lived the law that we could not live and he kept that law that we could not keep because we were weak we were weak because we had a sinful nature and sin was condemned in the human nature of Christ wow just think about that and now there's no condemnation he came it says for uh, a sin offering he says in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin as an offering for sin he was a lamb of God whose blood was shed to take away our sin. And then what happens as a result of it, it says in verse 4, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. Sanctification begins at salvation and it's fulfilled in us. He changes us. We become new creations in Christ and we live now to the glory of God. Not perfectly, but we now live for him because he was punished in the flesh that's what the law required so that it might be fulfilled in us two things that the law could not do it could not deliver us from sin nor could it provide a positive righteousness for us who provided that positive righteousness for us Christ did it's his righteousness it was fulfilled where? In us it was fulfilled in us and now because of that we walk generally in the pattern after the Spirit of God remember there are only two types of people there are those people who are in in Christ that are saved that are righteous have Christ's righteousness and then there are those who are still in Adam and they are condemned because they are in Adam and they do not have Christ in his righteousness. What are they doing? They're trying to live by their own self-righteousness. They're trying to gain merit before God. They're hoping that the scales, the, their goodness will outweigh their badness. And God will accept them based on that. And Paul's saying it won't work. He said I was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. And it does not work. And we need to believe that now we are in the state of grace. We're adopted. Uh, we're loved. We're precious in His sight. We're forgiven because of what Christ has done. And what do we have to, to uh, uh, do? What do we have to do? The, the steadfast uh, of the mind you will keep in perfect peace. Why? That's it. It, it. it doesn't say obey me. It doesn't say keep my commandments. It says trust. If you're trusting him, though, you will keep his commandments. Because he says, if you love me, if you really love me, you will want to keep my commandments. You no, it's, be, it's trust. And if you want a steadfast mind and you want to have the peace of God that passes all understanding, trust God. That's what he's saying. And uh, believe, believe there is now no condemnation. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning uh, that, that you, by your mighty power, by your spirit, has worked in us, has wrought in us life, and that Christ is now in us. Lord, it's just, it's just, it's an amazing love. It's an amazing love, Lord, and we we are so undeserving, so undeserving of such love. But Lord, help us to really believe now that there is no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Help us to believe it and live our lives like we believe it by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. In Jesus' name, amen.